Welcome everybody. My name is Alexander Greb. I am the Customer Advisor Lead S4 HANA Strategy at SAP. And you are listening to a new episode of the SAP Experts Podcast. When you attend customer meetings about digitalization, you will spend a lot of time talking about architecture, transition scenarios, IoT, etc., which is fine, as long as you do not neglect talking about the blood that flows through the veins of each enterprise. And without it, you would neither be able to book one order nor have any clue what actually is going on in your company, which is data. I talked to Wolfgang Epting, Chief Expert at SAP's Center of Excellence for Platform and Technologies about how to boost the outcome of your digitalization efforts by building up a dedicated data strategy, when it is the right moment to start with it, how to measure data quality, and what are the do's and don'ts for gaining a data literacy culture that will boost your business, here at the SAP Experts Podcast. Hi Wolfgang. Hi, Alex. We are talking today not only about data, but trusted data. In the episode 20 with Dirk Heusermann, we demystified the data topic already a bit. And today we want to go a bit deeper by not only talking about data, but trusted data. And from an outside perspective, there may be, of course, a question, why do we even talk about this topic at all? Isn't data quality the absolute basis for any business activity? Yes. So, um, first of all, um, thank you for, for having me. Um, so, if, if you think about trust in general, not um, tied to, to data. So, for example, um, you want to, to sell a car to me and um, I look at your car and uh, you, you say to me, you can trust me. So, what would I do? So I naturally I would I would my first reaction would be maybe uh, not not to trust. I, you. I had those people wanting to sell a car <laughs> to me and starting with you can trust me. That's where I like turned around and went. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, but um, if you look at uh, do we trust in data? Yeah, um, I think uh, if you look in history, so if if you had uh, maybe um, to sell a product, you looked at the stock, and if you found um, there is um, two parts in the stock, you believed what you saw, and if not, um, there was a purchasing order or maybe a manufacturing order or something like this. So we we, we learned to trust in data, but I think this um, has changed a little bit. So um, <clears throat> our former CEO, Bill McDermott, he had um, one statement, which I which I like a lot. Um, so trust is earned in jobs, but lost uh, in, in buckets. So if um, you have data, which um, you make a decision upon maybe And this is a wrong decision because of um, wrong data. You will never again um, believe um, in data. And uh, so I think trust in data um, is something that is uh, very important and maybe uh, changing a little bit. So let me call it, um, there are enterprises, companies out there, which, are, which I call data literate. They have learned maybe that um, data is... Um, Yeah, something um, which you have to have a closer look to because there's some kind of probabilities, uncertainties, if you use models or something like this. Um, so it's not 
not um, binary. It's not one or zero. So maybe you have to, to think about where the, does the data come from? How was it generated? And so on and so on. This is a lot of questions around uh, data culture and data literacy. So to to for me to simplify the topic a bit, you, you started quite interesting with the car. A car is full of data. When, when I have something like a purchase decision for a car, I want to know the horsepower, of course, and I want to know like the mileage, the gas mileage, of course. Um, and I, of course, want to trust this information. Yeah, I want to trust that the car is like just um, putting that kind of, let's say, CO2 into the air and not more. Of course, if it turns out to be wrong um, and I cannot trust this data and I cannot trust this information, then my decisions or my future decisions are, of course, will be different than before because data is the found fundament of any decisions I do, even in a private life. So I think companies and private persons are behaving quite a lot the same. They have to trust the data. So basically companies, like you said, are in the same, let's say, situations like private persons or like humans, like, like you and me, when doing a decision, they have to trust their data. Um, do you think like the let's say the, the, the trust or the, the, the quality or the, the way data is worked with um, from, let's say, that standpoint is different in companies and private persons? Are companies trusting their data more, let's say, easily without a second thought than private persons? No, I would say it's um, basically um, the same. Um, so what, what makes... Data, data trusted. Um, this is an interest, uh, interesting question. So um, often I see that um, it's reduced to data data quality, mm -hmm. but uh, data quality is just another term which um, has to be explained a little bit. But um, from my point of view, it's it's a little bit more than um, just data quality. So data lineage, for example, um, do you trust data from which you do not know where it comes from? Who has it gathered? how it's being flowing through the company and the organization maybe. I think it's um, also a very important point um, around trusting data. And there's another one, of course, um, it's, do you have any consent? Are you compliant by using the data? This is also a very important question because um, I think um, all kind of data has personal identifiable elements in it. And um, so the proper use um, of, of this data is also something that uh, employees need in order to be able to trust the data. This is two elements that we do not normally take into account. What, what I see, for example, quite often to, to jump on that is um, all, when I look at my past, when I'm working a lot with, let's say, manufacturing companies, with planners and so on, you so often had it that they said like, okay, I have something like... Um, a machine which is completely the capacity is full is running like 100 and so on but but i know i can put like another order on that machine because i know like um i always have even a little bit more capacity that's on the system so obviously there seems to be a general problem yeah because when when something like this is possible when you see like i have a machine which is running on 100 and i still can put additional orders onto it because i know like a little bit more is always possible then obvious that there's an issue with the data 
it is obviously rubbish more or less yeah so we have do we do we have like these this question a these two kinds of data like the data i um as a company generate for myself which is like capacity data which i'm working with like lot sizes lot times and so on um and um data which comes from external like um like from other departments or maybe like customers other parties um is there is there a difference in let's say trust level in that cases yes uh, maybe um if you look at um the example um, you gave but I think there is a lot of expert knowledge, uh, which is uh, which is in the head of, of people, maybe, and um, so they they know from their experience of, of many decades. Um, I can, uh, if there is one hundred percent capacity for this machine, I can um, even go beyond. Um, let's say, put another order on this machine, <laughs> but this is not based on data. This is based on gut feeling, and mm -hmm. so the question is. Um, so I think this knowledge erodes over time. And um, this is not not trusted data because um, this will end in a scenario where uh, maybe your um, machineries are um, underloaded and you cannot go to the full capacity because it's not 100; it's 120. Yeah, and, um, and you so don't for... exactly you you don't know really what's happening in your company because of that. Yeah. And um, maybe there is um, a little bit of, of benchmarking helping. So uh, if you look at the industry, um, they, there are benchmarks um, how they are, uh, the, the load on their machinery can be and so on and so on. And um, so basically, I think we as human beings, we tend to trust external data more than an internal data. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure why, but because it's, uh, it's coming from from any kind of um, uh, agency organization, and there is uh, a big title on the person who did the. Yeah. Um, maybe to be honest, my personal opinion: people, for whatever weird reason, are um, yeah. Some random dude on YouTube said that. Yeah, so I'm trusting him. <laughs> uh, okay, this is a completely different topic, which I, to be honest, do not really understand. But when when you're saying that. Um, different trust levels in in our conversation we had before this podcast you were referring to the difference of data and information that there is a difference actually in that can you define that where is the difference lying and and what is really let's say what what, what is the difference behind this and um when i know that something is information but not data what kind of let's say different um, behavior um, does this need from my side? Yes, um, so, so I think there is a big difference in um, in storing data and using data. Um, so I think um, companies have have tons of data, but they do not have um, information. So um, the question is how to make information that you can use that you can make value of um, out of um, out of your data and. This is maybe a problem a lot of um, companies are facing um, at the moment. There are different reasons behind. Um, we talk about siloed data very often. Uh, maybe uh, we have a lot of um, applications, of course, which result in data sources which are spread all over the ecosystem of a company and they are not, not integrated. So I think integration 
um, is, is the first topic which helps companies um, to make value um, out um, of data. So we have vast amounts of data. We have to make sure that we have the right um, data quality. And um, then, but of course, there have to be ways um, to, to use the data. There are different elements. I think Dirk Heusermann um, talked a lot about the data value formula that um, mm -hmm. we um, developed together with um, the CTQ from Switzerland. And um, this brings it basically to the point with a very um, simplistic um, formula to describe what has to be in place in order to make value out of data. Is this then something like a quality level? Um, so, because when, when you say, when you talk about data quality, um, when, when, I, when I hear something about quality, I want to measure it, yeah, because quality should be something which is not a subjective matter, but an objective matter. And if you ask like the different companies, like, is, do you have high quality data? Yeah, I'm not sure if the answer would be really on a factual basis in many cases, but it's just like, I have the feeling like our data is quite good or not so good. So when is data qualified enough that it gets value? Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. So, Are the um, metrics like to define data quality? Like if you have something like this, like that percentage of junk, um, then you have good quality data or how can I how can I encompass that feeling of having qualified data for me? Yeah, so um, interesting question is, um, do you have data quality when, uh, when all the mandatory fields are mm -hmm. filled? What do you think? I, I, I don't think that's the answer to the questions. Uh. Exactly, because when, when I when I when you say that, I think quite often about when I was like a student and working in project, we had those Excel address lists where which of course were like 50% was just just rubbish what's in there. Like it, it was like the numbers were wrong or like it, it was merged from two different Excels where the fields did not match. Yeah, so you really had like uh, the, the fields did not correspond, but of course we have addresses like where you have address suffixes that other addresses do not have. So I think it's absolutely fine if there are fields which are not filled or at least with a blank when there is simply no information that, that, that should be there because there is none. So I think uh, just like saying everything has to be filled. Um, yeah, it's like those questionnaires where you ask like uh, for some, as a male person for if you have like uh, female health problems. Yeah, it, it does not apply to you. So it, it does not matter. It does, not it does really not matter. So there is um, a term that we use um, typically this um, fit for purpose. But again, this is a question was what does fit for purpose um, mean? So for me, data has the proper quality if you can use it um, to do your business. Okay. Not more, not less. So it's not an academical question mm -hmm. of being the best in data quality. It's not implementing um, thousands of data quality rules just to see that there are no more null columns in, in, in or values in your columns. This is not what I would call data quality. Think about a shipping company. Mm -hmm. They have to make sure that their address quality is, is very high. I think it's critical 
addresses are critical for this company. But if you look at a B2B company, maybe there are um, other things which are critical for their business. And um, so it's, um, it's just a perspective that um, you need to look on your data, which is uh, important um, for you. And so the question here is, Data quality is not new, it's an evergreen. We are talking about data quality um, since the 90s or whatever. And if you ask somebody in the in the company, <laughs> I saw these approaches from um, from software vendors uh, to to go out um, with with an offering to do some kind of data quality assessments and going to the account with a question. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, what do you think um, about your data quality and um, Everybody says uh, my data quality is is good, and <laughs> so <laughs> this. Um, yeah, this but but it, it's like when you're standing in a fog <laughs> and you just can see like for ten meters because you are not not used to yeah, anything yeah. more than just seeing for ten ten meters, and you know any do not know anything else, and you are asked like, how is your view? And then you say, oh, beautiful, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, but be because you just not do not know what would be possible if you had something like a clear view and a clear fog. Yeah, um, absolutely. Just maybe I add to this: um, if you ask an, an, an IT person, maybe he has no clue what data quality really is, but he will. Um, there is a reflex to to answer yes, data quality is good. Otherwise, he would um, admit <laughs> that he does a, a bad job on data quality. But here's a question. Um, Who is responsible for data quality? Is it really the IT? And so if if I think if you measure data quality, which would be the first step, um, then um, it's not just um, that you see, for example, that, um, that you have um, filled these columns in such combinations, but it's everything is around KPIs, which I would call it. And um, so a KPI from my point of view is also not that I have deduplicated um, 50,000 customers down to 30,000. So a KPI in my perspective is something that talks business. Mm -hmm. So I can save money. I can make a, a process um, better. I can streamline something. I can save costs. I can reduce risk um, and um, to be as precise enough. And this is a KPI which you can formulate. And of course, there could be some kind of quality rules which um, help to understand the KPI, but this is something that has to come from the business. Exactly. And um, what also comes in my mind about the topic, um, I think like the cause for maybe bad data quality is of course not only to look at directly into data. It's not like the data's fault that it's bad maybe you have something like an infrastructure where you have, let's say something like, um, which is highly fragmented. You have an ERP, you have a planning system, you have a CRM system and so on. And everybody, every system has its own like data storage. Yeah, That means of course you have duplicates in a certain way that you have, for example, an order in each or information containing, or which is relevant for, for an order in every, in each uh, part of, of your system landscape, but in different values because the, Planning system knows, of course, how, how let's say, the, the progress of your order is, yeah, but it does not know anything. It's just rudimental information about the customer. That's where you have to look into the CRM. And so it always can happen that data is like, um, is, is having glitches that you cannot solve if you go just on the data when your architecture is not supporting high data quality. Absolutely. <clears throat> so just to give you an example, I started my career 
uh, in, a, in a smaller company, which is a plastic injection molding machinery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was the time when um, relational database systems came up. And um, so I was responsible for all the database systems. And um, so it was a, a beautiful time because <laughs> it was so easy. You had you had rows and columns in tables. So, mm-hmm. And everything you had to learn maybe was um, to think about COT and there was normal forms and um, how you model data in order to avoid redundancy. And then what I did is um, I proposed to implement referential integrity and some kind of check constraints in database tables. And <laughs> but at that time, um, I could not make it happen because um, mm-hmm. the application folks came to me and said, hey, this does not make any sense. This makes it um, very slow and um, I do everything in, in my application. So that means you have some kind of application controlled data quality in your systems. And this was, I think, a lot of companies did over the years. And um, now if they look into what they really found, I will not say that it's a a data cemetery, but uh, without um, referential integrity implemented, you will find often data and you will find duplicates if you do not have um, any kind of primary keys implemented and um, all those things. Um, So what they produced over the decades now have to be assessed. And this means um, that there have to be some kind of data quality assessment first in order to understand what kind of data do I have. And this is only one silo. And you have to know this, uh, yeah, let me say, uh, across your complete ecosystem, not to talk about data lakes, which is a different story. (laughs) But but, but it really really puts the picture in my head of like, when you have a basement where like like for 20 years, just put things into it. And then you say, okay, now let's take a look into our basement, look what we've got and how bad it is. And I I think probably in in a lot of cases, it is like that. Yeah. But what what then comes um, into my mind is um, there, there are these examples, of course, data to, to get your data clean, get your data good, of course, it costs money. But, but, but what is your aim? Is it, we've discussed, like, it probably cannot be your aim to have something like 100% perfect data quality. I'm not sure if this actually would make sense. It's like the service level curve, yeah, where you can say, of course, like, you can have 100% service level if you are a service company, but that's something which would be so extraordinary expensive for you that you would not make any profit. So you like try to go on like 97 or 96% service level, because that's something where like the cost curve and so on and the profit curve are, 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 are still on match. Is it the same way like data where you say like, okay, um, I can put like lots of efforts into it and I maybe maybe I'm even able to achieve something like 100% if that's possible, but that would not make sense. There is something like 96, 97%, something like an optimum, which is below 100%, which makes from an economical standpoint have much more sense to achieve and which is much more intelligent than to go like straight for 100%. Yes, absolutely. I really can enforce what you you just say. And um, I saw... Um, very, very, um, very good um, chief data officers in large companies, which um, who did exactly that. What you what you talk about? Um, um, what they figured out? Um, maybe um, what kind of data quality do I have to have in order to do my my business, to run my business, um, to do some kind of purchase to pay, lead to cash, and and so on and so on. And and then 
um, it was easy for them to to implement it also in, in large companies because they did not talk about the data quality. They talked about problems in the process and um, how can they make the process smarter? How can they prevent problems that they run into each and every time? And um, with, with that approach, um, so I think uh, a very smart uh, chief data officer can can bring data culture into into company and not the other way around to come from the data. But but let me still focus on that point because I really like it concerning the let's say improvement of of of, of data quality. Because let's imagine that you are a CDO, chief data officer, and you say we have to improve our data quality. And let me play the CFO and then asking you the question. What kind of business benefit do I have, for example, if I invest so and so much budget and money and all this stuff to improve for maybe like quality for one percent? Is there something like a ROI I can calculate, a return of investment, um, or is it more on let's say a quality level? When you say like our, when we are better, um, then finally our AI initiatives make sense because AI needs data. Um, to, to work properly, then our machine learning makes sense because machine learning needs trusted data to work properly. Is it on a quantitative or on a quality level? Um, different aspects on, on, your, on your question. First of all, um, data can, of course, be used um, to, to streamline processes and to save costs. And I think there is a business case um, behind. So um, maybe you are... Um, um, shipping company and um, you have a address quality let's say from 95% and uh, but um, if you have um, 5 million customers uh, which are ordering heavily um, maybe uh, in, in this times is <laughs> something that that's happens. a lot of returns yeah. <laughs> you have a lot of returns and this yeah. is uh, something that you can measure um, and then you can uh, make up a business case and say if it would be possible to increase the quality of address data only by let's say by one percent or something like this um, we could eliminate um, uh, this this things and then we could save money x and then now you have a business case that you can uh, quantify with with money and of course this helps a lot when when, when we look around um You said now, for example, that the shipping company um, example, which tells us that um, we really have to cover this topic data, although it seems to be something very IT-ish as a business topic, uh, because it fuels our business. And, and so we we have to encompass it from, from, from a business level. But before we go into that, give me please some a picture like from the status where are we do you think there are for example differences in let's say quality data quality or data culture concerning industries or are there differences in size or do you think like um, the levels are it's quite leveled out there are no like peaks in this industry or like uh, valleys in that kind of industry Are every, is everybody on the same level in that case? No, absolutely not. Um, I think we see we see a lot of differences. If you look at, for example, at the verticals, you will, for example, see that um, retail, retail banking, so that means um, financial services industries, um, are front runners mm -hmm. in this uh, in this area where, um, let's say. The public sector and um, also industrial organizations are laggards. This is um, surprisingly 
Um, and um, for example, if you look um, in size, of course, um, large companies, um, let's say, have, have the possibility to in, invest because um, if you want to implement uh, not only on data, data quality, which is part of a data strategy, but in data strategy, then of course, um, there is um, a little bit of technology that you have to implement just as an enabler. Um, to do this and this costs money and this is something that smaller companies do not want to invest at the moment um, and this is why we also see um, difference in, in, in size of the companies but in general um, if you look at this um, very often <laughs> used picture from um, so petabytes and terabytes and so on and so on then the Milky Way and the Sun and the Earth mm. I think we all know these um, dimensions but, but again um, there is um, if you look Think about petabyte and terabyte. So we we see that um, just a fraction of the data is really uh, used that we have in in our system, and this is something that we maybe can say across all verticals. But but is it is it just is just a fraction used because um, there is the strategy for using it not available, so it would be makes sense to use it, or is it because there is so much rubbish in there? Because to, to be honest, from, from my impression here, like when you look, for example, in I'm talking now into the years like 2010 to 2013, like some seven to 10 years ago when this topic already existed. But from, from my position, I did not have the impression that there was really a big strategy behind data collection, for example, with many industries, yeah, because, for example, you had already their possibilities to um, make your car a certain data collector. But when I, for example, talked about that time with a big German car OEM and asking, like, what, what do you do with all that stuff that you're collecting here? Yeah, you're collecting, like, information. And like I said, we're talking about, like, eight years ago, about collection of, like, driving data of uh, how your how the parts in the car are stressed and so on you're, you're collecting all of this are you actually using that and they say said then to be honest not yet so much yeah they of course like uh, had ideas and so on and they even thought of selling this kind of data to their suppliers like because uh, they said okay you have your shocks in our cars, I can provide you the data how your shocks actually um, are, for example, stressed or used or how they perform. Um, so there was something like a binge collecting happening. But that's just a subjective impression that I have. Do you think we are further than that now in the year 2020? Or do you think that there is still like, it's not about the collecting stuff or getting data. It's about the strategy behind that. Where are we, let's say, more ahead in which way? Yeah, uh, interesting questions. And um, guess so, so do we sit on a mountain of, of gold or a mountain of dust? Yeah. Um, exactly. Um, very, very good question. So what I, what I think is um, we do not know it um, and we are not, um, we do not know how to use the data, but um, a very essential part of every strategy, um, in my mind, is to look at what we call proprietary data, data, which um, which only a certain company has, and this this means that you can make um, value out of this data. For example, if you have data which every other company also has, it's um, it's worth like sand in the in the desert. But um, I think um, the, the the question here is. Um, 
do I have any any data which I can really make um, make value out of out of it? Because nobody else in the industry has this kind of data, and um, and then uh, to develop strategies around um, using the data and. This is exactly <laughs> what you mentioned. So I'm collecting everything. Uh, maybe I yeah. need it also in, in the future. And there is maybe, um, so you told me that um, that you heard this um, term binge collection. And uh, so this was <laughs> this was new <laughs> for me. And, and I looked it up a little bit. And um, so, uh, of course, uh, maybe it's, we heard this from binge eating. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, this this bin, this wording binge collecting um, has its cause. I had once a discussion about that topic. It was some years ago with 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 the CIO of a customer, and he compared the um, strategy of many companies from from his standpoint to what he said, like. Um, those kids, like when there was this file sharing happening, like like already 20 years ago, unfortunately, we are that old, but um, there was this file sharing happening and, and people like uh, are, were collecting stuff because it was available. They probably never used it. And I, he said like um, he knows of, of, of people who became in something like a collecting frenzy. Yeah, stuff is available. So I try to get it because maybe some I will use it um, some sometimes. And that some companies are happened actually happen to become something similar. Like let's say let's grab everything we can get, yeah, because um, they probably have heard that uh, okay, data is valuable, um, and now they are like um, that that big guy in that Monty Python uh, sketch with the uh, with the mint and so on and say like um, probably if I have even one little piece of information more I will explode um, wh wh where are we on the part of strategy because um, we know that all these social media companies like Facebook and so on they make their money purely by selling data and obviously they make a lot of money um, but um, where are the strategies and, and, and how does a data strategy look like is it something that's coming from the area and say like okay now i got have a lot of data let's try to find a way to use it or is a good data strategy coming from the other direction and saying like what is my business model where i'm actually what is uh, in which kind of business am i and how can i make my data work best for me how does lots of questions i know but how does a data strategy <laughs> made well in that case look like yeah, maybe let me comment first on on the binge collection. So, um, if you if you look at at my son, for example, I'm not really sure if if uh, if you know about the stickers stickers um, around um, uh, football teams during the World Championships 2014 and so on. And um, so, my two sons they they collected stickers, 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 stickers. I and, think that's um, that's around since the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you do this? It costs a lot of money. Yeah. Um, I I do not know because every everybody else is doing it uh, and uh, so my one son um, and um, he is exchanged it with the teacher of my other son he could make value out of it because he <laughs> now could say i have all um but um it, it has absolutely no value if you look mm. three years later if you look at um, all these also stickers i asked my son hey do you know what you what you really have and um, of course he didn't and um, so it had no value and this is also maybe a problem we can talk about later um, so now we have to admit 
could really understand uh, what kind of data we <laughs> really gathered. Exactly. So the question is, um, what is more important, data or metadata? I think the yeah. semantic lies in the data, but if you do not know what you have and you do not understand the data, you need metadata and more important, which is a strange thing. But coming to your question, of course, um, I think every by, uh, everything has to start with um, with a business um, business goals. Or let me let me do it. Uh, take it as a step deeper. Let me say it: um, uh, an urgent problem or an initiative, um, which uh, where you can. Um, which you can support with, with with data. It should not come just um, from the data side. It, um, always it should come from the, the business side, of course. And um, so we developed um, also um, a methodology which we call um, <clears throat> business outcome driven data strategy. And um, also the terminus um, already says it. Um, it starts from the business the business side, and then you can drill down. Um, not directly to the data, but um, then you have to think about um, what kind of um, processes have to be implemented. Could be some kind of new processes, could be some kind of AI-driven processes, and then you can drill down to the critical data, and then you can think about um, do we have the right quality, the right data, and so on and so on. So um, this is, from my perspective, the right way to tackle it and not the other way around. And how many of your customers or our customers do actually have a data strategy, a dedicated data strategy. Um, yeah, this is, um, I talked to a lot of um, chief data officers. Um, not really sure if I can answer your question. Um, so if, if you if you look at Gartner, maybe um, what, what they um, found is um, that by 2020, I think 75% um, okay. of organizations Uh, will have a CDO. This is not what I see. Um, I think it's um, it's less. And um, mm -hmm. when I do maybe some kind of workshops or webinars or something um, today, it's <laughs> it's fancy to do some kind of polls and things. And I always um, ask um, how how much of the companies uh, really have a chief data officer. And I think it's it's not 75%. percent. It's uh, it's 20 25 percent and this shows maybe a little bit um do you have a data strategy um without a chief data officer i think the person um, must not have the title um chief data officer but anything around um, data and um because um you cannot implement a data strategy with without a person who takes responsibility overall across the complete company for, for data and getting value out of it. Talking about a CDO, I guess this abbreviation is in strong competition of use with the chief digital officer. <laughs> yeah, um, do you think like these two roles are can be merged into one and it would make sense? Or do you think like a dedicated data only chief data officer is absolutely necessary. I think that um, chief data officer is absolutely necessary. And if, mm -hmm. if you do the exercise and if, if you go on to maybe to LinkedIn and if you search for the phrase exactly, do an exact mm -hmm. search on chief data officer and chief digital officer, you will find more chief data officers. Mm -hmm. um, but I think um, so the chief data officer takes um, responsibility for, um, for 
all kind of data across the complete um, enterprise. Whereas the chief digital officer in what I see um, is taking more responsibility of, of new uh, digital um, use cases. Both have revenue responsibility that is interesting it's not just um if you think about um, governance and something like this it's just um as we see it sometimes it's the uncle or a person who tells them hey you have to implement data <laughs> data governance otherwise you will get into the kitchen this is no no longer the case of course uh, so uh, the chief data officer has responsibility for governance, but governance in this sense means um, that you have to, to implement it in order to be able to use data. Otherwise, um, it's, it's worthless for you. But um, okay, um, I think what they have in common um, is to make money out of digital um, use cases. And this is where they come together. When when we talk about a chief or chief data officer, um, where is he from your experience positioned most of the time? Uh, do you find him as something like a, a guy on board level, or is he reporting to the CIOs or more to the CFOs? So is he more on the IT side or on the business side, or or is this something which is completely different from case to case? It's completely different. Um, so what I see sometimes is um, that the board is um, realizing that data is important. And then they tell maybe the CIO, hey, um, do we have a data strategy? Please implement a data strategy. Or they tell it even to the chief information security officer. And this is something that, of course, does not work. It's not a part-time job that can mm. be done from 8 to 10 in the morning and then do the regular job. It's something um, that um, what I think um, the chief data officer has should not report to the chief information officer because then we have this uh, combination of IT and business. So he has um, to be on board level. And this is what I see in large organizations. And so he can directly talk about his domain, which is which is the data. So it is more and more a manifestation that chief data officers should be on the business side. This whole topic is a business topic. It's not a IT topic. It's not an IT topic, yes. And when you are now, like tomorrow, are announced as new CDO of company <laughs> XYZ, um, and you had the task like to, to make, because you got now the task of getting serious about that topic. Um, and I think there are a lot of companies who are in that position like this. Okay, we have to be more strong in that case. And they are announcing or appointing a chief data officer. Where should he start? Yeah, What would be like the first decisions to make or let's say the first actions to take to bring a company forward on data quality level? Yes, I think um, he should, um, should go to the board and ask them, hey, what are our uh, short-term goals? We can look at um, the annual reports and so on and so on. And um, if this is also something that I do when I talk to chief data officers, I look at um, what the, what the goals are. Maybe it's um, some kind of percentages uh, on the top line, or maybe um, also on the bottom bottom line. And then you can derive or um, look at um, at the more tangible business goals. And this is where 
where the chief data officer should start. If he tries to boil the ocean, um, then he will not um, succeed, of course. Uh, this is because maybe <laughs> a lot of people say that um, the chief data officer will disappear um, with, with the same velocity as he appeared. Mm -hmm. um, but this is something that I do not see because it's, it's a journey and not a project. And um, so he should not um, try to do everything. Um, but he should start um, with, with yeah, we use this term so often with, with quick wins in order um, to show the company um, you can make money or you can make value out of data and you do not have a project which lasts five years uh, because this is also, if people hear data strategy, they think about consulting projects of five years and this is not what um, what the reality shows if you drill it down you can make it um, um, very very easily and this is the first thing I would do I would um, talk to the board the other thing is um, to look at the culture of, of, of the company and um, I think this is changing a little bit um, so um, what we see is more and more data literate people. And um, so data literacy is something that I did not understand from the beginning. So if you look at um, the definition, it's just, <laughs> you have to be able to read and uh, write data. And I thought, um, hey, it's not a problem. I can <laughs> read the data, but um, there's, of course, there's a lot more behind. Data literate people um, are, are used to, um, to deal with data. They um, know how to use data. Maybe then they can use some kind of um, analytical tools and they are used um, to, um, to work with data and base their decisions on data. And if you look at this kind of data culture, maybe um, I think there's, there's something helping the chief data officer. Um, not really if, if you have seen it or heard it um, already, there's, there's a, a generation D <laughs> this is um, we, we also talk about generation um, X, Y, Z, and so on and so on. But the generation D um, is not a chronological um, order of people. But um, this is these are people um, that um, they 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 are used um, to 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 work with data, and um, they expect to make data driven decisions and. Um, they have a, a sense for fake data and information. They understand that maybe some kind of AI is um, is not with a high certainty. Maybe there is some kind of probability that they have to take into account when, when working with data, when basing decisions on data. They learned it from scratch. And this maybe helps a little bit to bring data culture into our uh, enterprises. Um. I get two things out of what you said. Like first about the chief data officer itself, you used the word tangible in it. So it is quite obvious that this guy is, should be a hands-on guy, like digging deep into the, let's say, day-to-day -day business and making things better. And he's probably not the one for the big uh, visions. Because let's say when, when I, of course, think of a possible chief of a chief data officer it always comes of course into the mind like a guy developing big visions about making new business models based on data and so on which of course are like again a complete other topic which are not helping on a short term but he really should be focused on hands-on short-term making things run this is this is the first part that i took out of that the second part is when you said like about um data culture and data data literacy um of course it's 
this also this also has a part in of it that you stick to data stick to digital information like you should then not be the guy who said like okay we have there like for example that let's call it for the sales director who like says like okay we all have the crm but i also want your reports on this word template i sent to you and i want this to be filled out by you each week this is not how it goes this is not how it runs you you are dedicated to a digital mindset and you should stick with it point Yes, absolutely. It's a journey and it not, it's not a project. And um, so I think um, the chief data officer is both, um, of course, he is, is a hands-on guy. Um, he has to, um, the ability to talk to IT and to speak their language, of course. And on the other hand, he has to be able to speak, uh, to talk business in order to um, um, talk to the, to the board um, in, to be able to, um, to implement it. So for example, what he could do is um, if he if a company hires the chief data officer with the first thing he <laughs> he hires, uh, let me say two data scientists. And um, then um, he thinks the company gets, um, gets data driven, but this of course does not work um, because um, maybe the data scientists um, are used to, to work with data, but um, the rest of the company uh, is not used to work with data and they cannot speak together because um, they talk different languages. And um, so it's um, two-sided, two-faded um, on, the, on the one hand um, to bring data culture into the, the company. On the other hand, um, to implement it also um, for people um, that are not used um, to, to work um, as, as data-driven. and. Um, Yes, um, it's not an easy task. Um, so there have to be many talents around this person, a very strong communicator and um, a very high or very good leader to take people with them, to inspire people. Um, he has the to change the culture. Of the, yeah. yeah, to change the culture. And uh, so as always, um, you have to, to to be able to to, to take people um, with you to um, to to teach them um, how to to drive uh, to the sea and not um, how to, to build a boat, just to use um, this example. And um, so this is also, if, if you you brought up the, the the vision, I think the chief data officer also have, have to have um, a vision. Mm -hmm. When we talk about, let's say, starting all the things, um, like starting a data strategy, starting the position or change in the culture, when would be, the best point in time for that or are there good moments and bad moments to start with that like for example when when i'm running or like many customers of us are at the moment are in something like a digitalization digital call let's call it s for hana initiative is this a point to start with a data strategy the best point possible because you are talking about digitalization anyways or is it maybe something like you should do or maybe you should not do because you say like you're uh, stuck with uh, complete other topics uh, maybe you will not uh, uh, make the, the the big shot in the beginning like do it later what do you say what would be the perfect moment to start with that yeah as always the best <laughs> to start is now <laughs> no um just getting coming back to your questions of course um i think um the best moment is now and as, as we saw from the crisis um 
I think um, this was um, this gave a boost in digitization, and um, I think companies who started earlier with implementing a data culture were, are the winners. And um, so the others um, are catching up at the moment um, as fast as, as they can. Um, but um, what I would recommend is not just implement something to to react um, to the crisis, but to build something which makes them um, more sustainable. Um, also after the crisis, because I think um, there will come other challenges um, in the future. And um, of course, um, if you think about um, digitization and the digital core, um, a lot of customers are making their journey to, to S4 and um, they do not look at data at all. And so um, I, would, I would say um, it does not make any difference if, if a company is, wants to migrate in uh, 20, 21 or 2025, the, the perfect uh, moment to look at data is, is now. Um, you can, this is what we call um, get clean. So one thing would uh, maybe to look at master data. Um, if you want to migrate to S4, there is, um, there is one thing that you have to do anyway, which is uh, what we call customer vendor integration. And um, so this is just one technical process, but this does not remove any duplicates from your customers and vendors. And why not look at um, this situation now? Um, because if you run on S4, you will never do it again, or uh, maybe yeah. <laughs> until the next migration, which would be in 10 or 15 years from from 2027. And um, so why not start now? It's a perfect um, yeah. opportunity. Absolutely, because like when you encompass that topic and the topic data is so important because it is your blood basically that is going through the veins of your company. Um, if your information is wrong or not not on par, yeah, um, your whole initiatives concerning IoT, digital twins and so on, they, they completely run on empty. Yeah, they, they lead nowhere. And I have seen these initiatives where these initiatives were done to be able to put a stamp on it like we did digitalization or we did internet of things but but they were completely missing the foundation and if i do not have the foundation yeah i do not have to start with these topics because i cannot really promise myself anything out of this so if you're doing something like a digital digitalization initiative now also and i think this can be our message also put that thing that topic data data quality what i want to do with it into it because it may influence like the architecture you choose for your erp system for your future di uh, digital core it may influence like then when you say like i want to like consolidate more i want to go more into that single source of truth um idea for example so if you do not if you do not do this now when are you supposed to do this after this implementation for example of, of s4hana in my opinion not you you will not like open the package up completely again and put everything out again and make it again so do not and it's i think your topic is the same like so many topics uh, do not treat digitalization or like uh, these kinds of initiatives as something like a one-stop IT stuff. Uh, put your thoughts into it. What, what's your business? What's your strategy? What do you want to achieve? And then put, put all these ingredients like the application, the data and so on in front of you and think about what can you do with these things and what should you do with these things so they collaborate together perfectly. And so it is everything you do. It is a business topic and not simply just an IT topic. 
Absolutely. Um, so do not just look at the as-is situation and um, take this um, to the new world. Um, how could you expect to be um, digitized or data-driven if you do exactly the same? So let me give you an example. Um, for example, uh, or if you run on S4, you have um, a lot more possibilities to do some kind of embedded analytics and um, so this could, for example, be that um, your users are not sufficient because they want to have real-time data. Why not? Um, but if you want to do um, analytics on operational data with sitting in your system, which you did not do in the past because there was some kind of ETL, you took the data out of your operational system and uh, took them to um, um, VW system, for example, and mm -hmm. you could cleanse the data, enrich the data, and so on and so on. And this helped a little bit um, to, um, to improve data quality, but um, this changes completely. If you want to be able to run analytics on operational data, you have to have the right quality. Otherwise, uh, you can do it and you will get the business value out of S4. And um, there are so many things um, and data is the foundation of. If it, if, uh, if it comes to business value out of um, new systems. As last topic, why should customers talk about this topic to SAP slash to you, Wolfgang? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, I, th I think, um, yes, often that we, we, we see, of course, um, that we are not... Um, one of the very large consulting companies, which you maybe would suggest to see in this situation, um, but there is a large interest. And I think this is uh, two reasons for that, uh, because um, a lot of data is in our digital core. This is a fact. And um, so all the old data is, is sitting in SAP systems. And this is why customers want to hear from us how do we um, implement or how do we tackle or how do we deal with this amount of data? Um, and then I think we did not touch this new area of, of X data, which would be a topic for itself, Yeah, absolutely. of course. But mm. um, And the other thing is um, that we as, as SAP, we, we, we went through a, a very hard journey to get um, data driven. Maybe I can, can um, tell it or... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and this is also what customers are really, really interested in. So if you, if you look at our um, organization, we have a chief data officer, of course. Um, so in SAP, it's not only chief data, it's chief data and analytics officer, which shows uh, the importance and um, the domains that we put together. There is no analytics without data, of course. And um, I think we have um, a lot of um, very interesting artifacts that we can sh may maybe show to, to our customers, which we use internally. For example, there is um, a chief data officer dashboard, um, which helps us to measure our data quality across all domains and then to make decisions based out of it. And it's just something that we put together um, using our, our own technology, SAP runs SAP. And um, so, Personally, I was um, in workshops or in partnerships or other situations where a customer wanted to look into this, um, how we do it from a technical point of view, but also from an organizational and cultural um, point of view. 
to to add something to that a interesting story i talked with a guy from from our um internal cfo organization the, he said like the good thing that we had we as sap in the beginning of the crisis was that because of that kind of data quality that you're referring to we had the possibility to run very quickly simulation scenarios like okay what does this mean for our numbers yeah and that's kind of, of of possibilities we had get gave us very quickly options to choose from like okay how, what what shall we decide like shall we let our people send them at home work from there because we have the possibilities to work like what happens with our revenue and so on and so on and so on so it, it gave so many possibility to react especially in crisis like this in an way which is feasible and sound And if you do not have this kind of data quality, or if we would not have had this data of quality, as yes, uh, so much of these decisions would more of a have been more of a gut feeling or on the basis of a gut feeling, and that's in most cases not the way you should proceed. So I think there are, let's say, so many reasons to invest into data quality, and uh, Corona shown us very clear that um, if you want to be able to navigate through rough waters yeah you have to know where you are and where your journey is leading to and for that you need that kind of data quality that you are referring to absolutely <clears throat> very good example um as for the last question of course um when people want to follow you or get in contact with you where do they do that best yeah <clears throat> so i'm I'm, I do a lot on, on the professional networks. Um, you will find me on LinkedIn, you will find me on Twitter, um, and um, you will find me on Xing. Um, reach out to me, um, no problem. And um, of course, um, you can also reach me um, in, in SAP. I'm part of um, what we call a center of excellence. And um, there's a business unit, which we call platform and technologies. We are looking into data, all things around data and analytics. And um, this is my role within SAP and happy um, to talk to you. Um, we have um, developed some offerings um, directly from our center of excellence around data strategy, which um, you can book directly from us. Um, this, they are free of charge. Um, this is just one day engagements where we do some kind of data strategy initiation. And of course, in times like these, we developed this also as a, a virtual um, thing. And uh, do not hesitate um, to reach out to us. And just to mention it, so what we developed here is um, some kind of a hashtag. And um, this is what we call give data purpose. And I think it's very good because it shows a little bit um, that um, you have to have purpose around the usage of, of your data. And if you go to the internet and search for this hashtag, you will also find a series of um, workshops that we offer to you. and. Um, happy to talk to you and um, thank you Alex for having me and uh, I had a lot of fun a <laughs> <laughs> I hope that um, the listeners have um, have the same fun when when listening to this podcast as I had uh, um, talking to you thank you or as I had I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot and have a great day bye bye thank you